This is applicable to all of us because grandparents, you have a big influence on your kids, even if they're grown, even if they're 50. You have a big influence on your grandkids. Singles, you're someday maybe going to be married, and if not, you still have a family. And this is also kind of a family, the church. So this is going to be very relevant to all of us. You know, they talk about how, how the family goes, so goes the community, so goes the nation. Really, what our nation needs now is families coming back to what the Bible says and living biblical families. And not only for the sake of our country, but it brings greater joy for us. And our goal isn't happiness. But yet, God, we looked at it last week. Jesus says, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. And one of the greatest factors in, in, a, in a good life, if we can say it that way, it sounds selfish, but is a healthy family, isn't it? I mean, how much pain is caused by dysfunctional families? And, and here's where we can be realistic too. Some of us are, are right now going, I made a lot of mistakes in the past. That's the past. Here's the cool thing. We can start over now looking forward. It, we met with our group this week and it was a lot of fun, but one of the things we recognized in our group, we said, raise your hand if you have a blended family. It was over half in our group. The, the reality of life nowadays is that we have blended families, just a lot of things, but we can take that and from here forward, we can do some things to ensure greater health in the future. An interesting study recently, 94% of college seniors say that their greatest desire to have a strong, healthy family. I think that's interesting. And we have the answers right here of how to get there. Let me pray. And we're going to get into this. Father, thank you. Thank you for giving us this blueprint for a healthy family. Thank you for designing the family, designing marriage, designing parent-child relationships. You designed it perfectly, but then there's this thing called sin that keeps messing it up. Um, and, and we all have experienced that sin. We've, we've all experienced messing up relationships, in particular family relationships. And so, God, we just we ask that you would show us what you want to show us in your word. Holy Spirit, work in us that we could glorify you in our families. In Scripture, we see that the best picture of the gospel is a marriage relationship. The best picture of, of Jesus, your relationship with your church, is a husband and a wife. And the greatest success for kids is when parents are walking with you. And so that's what we want. God, be with us. Uh, lead us, guide us. Let your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been going through Colossians, if you've recognized that. And the way we typically do things here is we'll, we'll pick a book and we'll go through the book, uh, teaching verse by verse. But if you haven't figured it out, here's how I do it. I read a passage and I figure out what's the main point of this passage. What did the writer, inspired by the Holy Spirit, want his original readers to understand? Because uh, it can't mean anything else. If the writer intended it to mean one thing to his audience, we can't decide, eh, it means something different now. You know, we, we can't tweak it. So we, we find out what they meant and go, okay, how is that relevant to us and go through the passage? Well, we've been going through Colossians and the last series we did was about life change because that's what Paul was talking about in Colossians, life change, about life in Christ. Here's how you do it. And here's the results that you're going to see as you walk in Christ. Um, and now he's going to transition and we're not going to spend a lot of time in Colossians, but I'm going to read to you Colossians uh, chapter three. You don't have to turn there. It's just, I'm just going to read through it. Then we're going to be in Deuteronomy. That'll be fine. Uh, Colossians three, verse 18. Now, now know this all flows out of what he had said before, life in Christ. As you're walking in Christ, this is what's going to happen. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, 
Love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, children, everybody look at me. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Dylan, what'd I just say? <laughs> huh? Okay. Uh, children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. That's the summary of the New Testament teaching on the family. And it gets in depth elsewhere, and we're going to look at this more moving forward. But if you want to sum up the New Testament blueprint for family, it's right there. But we're not going to start there. We're going to go back in time. <laughs> we're going to go back to Deuteronomy. So please turn to Deuteronomy. Because in Deuteronomy... We see Moses, the book of Deuteronomy is really uh, Moses, his final sermons before he dies, before the, the nation of Israel, millions of people who've been wandering in the desert for 40 years, they're not going to go take the land. And Moses is delivering these messages that God has given him to give to them and say, when you move into this land God is giving you, here's how you live. Here's what you need to do so that you can be successful, so you can enjoy what God has for you, and so you can be a light to the rest of the world. Here's what I want for you. And so Moses is teaching these things for them to take with them into the promised land. And I, I wanted to, to prerequisite this in Deuteronomy. Some of us may say, that's the Old Testament. What's it matter? Well, I'll tell you, as you read the Old Testament, you get to know God. And here's something about God. He hasn't changed. God is exactly the same then as he is now. And he wanted the same things then as he does now. He wanted people to love him and walk in obedience. And they would have full life and he would be glorified. He wants the same thing now. Now, the law has changed. We don't follow the letter of the law anymore as in sacrifice because Jesus did the sacrifice and took that. So something has changed. We now have a new covenant. They did not have the Holy Spirit indwelling them. We do. So in many ways, they look at us, if they could, and they'd be jealous of what we have. We have an amazing thing looking back at Jesus. But God hasn't changed. And so we can read and understand a context of law where they say it's obedience and blessing and go, what did God want them to know? What did he want them to obey? Because we can apply that now and have the same blessing in many ways as they would have. So turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter Six, if you would. Chapter six, verses one through nine. Let me read these. Now this is the commandment, the statues and the rules that the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, and we can say daughter in there too, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you all the days of your life, and that your days may be, may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. 
You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Father, I just ask one more time that we would open up our hearts to what you would tell us through your word. God, we, we love you so much. We thank you that you want us to succeed in life. We thank you that you've given us the Holy Spirit. You've given us everything we need to have a full and abundant life. Uh, but that abundant life we know is not about us. That's not a health and wealth gospel. That's not a selfish get what we want, but it's about you and your glory. So help us to look at you and understand this correctly. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Before we start looking at this, those of us that are parents, any age parents, what would you give to see your kids in a healthy marriage with, with their kids, healthy life? What would you give? <laughs> with everything, wouldn't you? You would give anything that your kids would not experience, maybe some of the things you and I have experienced. You would give anything that they might avoid some of the sin that maybe we fell into. You would give anything to see them have a, 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 a pure life before their marriage and get to share that with one person and then have kids where they're centered and, and, and moving forward with his kingdom. We would give anything for that. And one of the things, as, as some of maybe older parents in here could say is, when your kids were little, what did you do that may be distracted from what you should have done? So this is just kind of a, for those of us with smaller kids, it's not too late. Those of us that are grandparents, you still have great influence on your grandkids. So it's not too late. But here's the command. He says, verse five, or chapter five, by the way, in Deuteronomy, he goes through the 10 commandments and we're not gonna go through those, but he goes through the 10 commandments. Then he moves here and he says, now this commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. So it's from God to them that you may do them and the land you're going over to possess it. He's talking about obedience, obedience. You're getting these commands, obey them and you will be blessed. That's basically the gist of all of this. If you obey what I'm telling you, you will be blessed. It's the same in the New Testament. Um, the difference, I mean, God wanted the same thing but it's not laid out maybe as clearly in the Old Testament as it is in the New Testament. But obedience is a key to this Christian life. Jesus said it this way, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So obedience for believers isn't about being right with God. Just so you know, you don't get right and then come to God. It's impossible. You come to God just as you are and he accepts you and then he helps you change. He helps you obey. But we obey in response to his love. Jesus, you know, while we were still sinners, he died for us. That's love. That's love. He loved us first. And so our response is love. So I just say that to say obedience is still important, but it's out of a heart of love, not to be right. Now, he's telling them to obey. Why should they obey? Verse 2, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's sons, by keeping his statutes and commandments. So he's saying... You obey so that your sons and daughters will obey, so that your grandkids will obey. There's a fear of the Lord, that they will fear the Lord. It's a generation. Look how this is generational. If you obey, then you pass it on, pass it on, pass it on. Why? Look, look at verse 2 again. Keeping his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. There's the first why. Obey me, fear me, so that you will have long life. That was his promise to them. You will have long life. Your kids will have long life. Your grandkids will have long life. Passing it on. That's the why. So this is your, in, in your notes. Listen to God and obey. 
fearing him so that you will enjoy long life. Now, is that a guarantee? Is that a guarantee you won't get hit by a truck when you walk outside? No, it's not, it's not. But, but in general, the standard would be if we go his way, we're gonna have a longer, more, more full life. Um, side note, real quick. We love kids here. So when we hear them, that's great. You know, we say we're, we're a battleship, not a cruise ship, meaning we love your kids. So, so don't feel like if your kids, be, don't, don't get all sensitive about your kid and they have to be perfect. Guess what? My kids aren't perfect and, and yours aren't either. So we love kids here. It's all okay. Um, just side note. Um, so listen to God and obey, fearing him so you will enjoy long life. What's the command specifically? We got the 10 commandments, yes, but he's moving to something more specific. Maybe you've heard this before. Verse four. Uh, verse three, let's look, look back at verse three. Uh, Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. I, I started to skip over that. But blessing, we're, we're looking at blessing. You'll have long life and it will go well with you. Who wants life to go well? I do. That, and that's what he's saying. Listen and obey. You'll live long and it will go well. You will be blessed. If you obey the commandment. What's the commandment? Verse four. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Have you heard that before? Jesus repeated that several times saying, this is the greatest commandment. Really, if you want to take all the law and just summarize it into one, this is the one. Because doing anything else, you're doing it out of a heart of love for God. Your greatest calling is to love God. Do you know that? That's our greatest calling. Our greatest calling isn't to go to church, although going to church helps and assists. Our greatest calling isn't to go on mission, although that's the great commandment. We're supposed to be doing that. Our greatest calling is to love God. Jesus said it this way, that eternal life is that you know the Father and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. This relationship with God is why we exist, not to do anything. He doesn't need us to do, although we're called to do, but it's out of this heart of love. So we love him. Our greatest calling is to love God. So you want a healthy family? Recognize that there is one God who desires a relationship with you and love him with all that you are. This is key. He says there's one God because the Israelites came out of Egypt and every nation around there, ancient Near East, every nation around there, they were all many gods. You know, none of them were monotheists. You know, Islam wasn't around yet. There's only three monotheistic religions, Islam, Christianity, and Judaism. Well, this is Judaism, <laughs> and we stem out of that. But he's saying, monothe there's one God. So us, we cannot, we cannot believe there's many roads to heaven. We cannot believe, you know what? Islam can be true. This other one can be true. Buddhists can be true. It's not. He says, there's one God, and he wants a relationship with you, and he's revealed himself in Jesus and in the word. That's key. That's key to a healthy family. That's key to life. That's that's pivotal for eternal life. There's one God, and then we love him. We love him with all that we are, our greatest calling. Look at verse six. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You see how this is not religion? 
This is not just obedience. This is on your heart. Your, your, inner, your inner being, your deepest soul, there you love God. And your actions respond, but you love him with all that you are from your greatest inner being. God never wanted mere religion and he doesn't want it now. He doesn't want it now. He wants you. He wants your heart. It's a big deal. And he, he bought it, by the way, by going to the cross. I mean, Jesus on the cross is the picture. He did everything because he wanted you and your heart, not your obedience, not your religion. He wanted you so bad, he made it possible by going to the cross. That's our motivation in response. But what does that mean to love? To love. I put in my notes, I thought this is good, is that you leverage yourself for him. Love. You leverage all that you are for God. Your money, your time, your family, your abilities, all of that, you leverage yourself for his glory, for him being lifted up, for others to get to know him. That's how we love him. Do you know the studies that talk about family? Many kids, you know, will fall into poverty as they get older, drug abuse, alcohol. Do you know the main factor that will prevent that in kids? There's one thing above and beyond everything else. It's father's. It's fathers involved. It's fathers following God. That's the biggest factor. Mothers, you are the biggest factor in their first two years, two or three. But moving past that, fathers are the primary influencer in how those kids will turn out. You know, I was a youth pastor for a couple years, and I've been involved with youth forever. And it's one of those things that it got frustrating. You, you do all this work with youth or even Sunday, you do all this work with these kids, but the main thing is what's happening in their house. I mean, you can do great with these kids and they'll grow up and make, they'll look good, but a year later, they're gone. If their kids weren't following God, but the kids that were following the Lord, they would do well in general. If their parents were really following the Lord, they would do well despite how good the youth program was. The primary place is the house. The primary place is the family. And that's what, what Moses is saying to Israel here is you follow God, you love God. That's your priority. You make him first. I started this in, in, the, in my notes here. You can't fake this. If you want a healthy family, you, 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 you have to pursue God. You know, how many people have I talked to that go, I want my kids to have religion. So we're gonna come to church because I had religion when I was a kid. Now I'm gonna come to so my kids get religion. That's not gonna work, by the way. That's not gonna, what happens, what works is you pursue God. Uh, when I was in, I think I was a freshman in high school, and I was in choir, and our choir teacher was amazing. I mean, he was one of the best in the state. His choirs always went on, and I think we had 120 people in the class. And we were sitting there, and, and I was singing, and he's walking back and forth, everybody's singing, and he's like, there's something off. And he's walking back and forth, and he's listening, and he's listening, and he's like, this half of the room, stop singing. They stopped singing, my half kept singing. And he's walking, he's listening, he's like, Some, something's off. He's like, top three rows, stop singing. I'm in the bottom three rows. We keep singing, keep singing. He's like, that row, stop singing. Two rows left and I'm in it. Something's off, something's off. He says, start again. And I just lip sync. He's like, it's gone. <laughs> we, we fixed it. <laughs> but, but the idea there is, is you can't fake it. You know, I mean, I had to either learn how to sing or get out of the way. If we want a healthy family, we need to learn each of us, men, it's a big deal with you. We need to learn to follow God. We need to fall deeply in love with Jesus, abide and follow him. That's the key factor in a healthy family. Men and women. 
I, I know for many of us, husband isn't following God and maybe never will. Well, guess what? Women, you get to kind of move into that role. And I think God blesses that. I know he blesses that. So it, it's not too late, but we can't fake it. We have to follow him. The best thing that you can do for your family is actively love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The fill-in in your notes there is actively, actively. This isn't just something you say. This is something you do. This is something you do. And this is the same for all of us, even those who don't have kids. Kids are grown. We actively love God. But then what? Then what do we do? Verse 7. And you shall teach them, them meaning God's words. You, you shall teach them diligently to your children. And we'll look at the rest. But that's the first one. Now what do you do? You teach them diligently to your children. That word diligently teach them diligently. It's actually one word, but it, it's the word used for sharpening a knife. Have you ever sharpened a knife on a whetstone? You spit on it. Uh, that's how I learned it. And then you just, you go back, you know, grandpa taught me to do the circle, but I've seen it, you know, go like this, but, but you wet over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And then you test and over. That's what it means to teach your kids. Over and over and over and over and over. You're teaching your kids God's words every single day. And so this is, this is in your notes there. Teach God's words to your children formally. Formally, meaning intentionally. You know, we do say more is caught than taught, and that's true, but that's no excuse for teaching. There's things your kids need to know. There's things your kids won't catch if you don't teach them. God's grace. You know, not religion. Uh, how to read the Bible. These things. It says teach them Formally. Now, many of you right now just went, oh, <laughs> like family devotions. And uh, you know what? I get that. <laughs> We've tried the family devotions thing and we haven't been very good at it. it. It just doesn't work very well for us. If that works well for you, do it. Please do it. It's awesome. For us, it doesn't work as well. But, but there is an aspect that we are intentional. We know the things we, kids, we want our kids to know and we, and we teach them. And if you don't know the Bible very well, guess what? Others do and you can learn. And your kids will learn most by you learning and sharing with them what you're learning. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to do this, to teach your kids. Learn the things that they need to know and teach them. And, and if right now your kids are 12, 13, and you don't know, are you in a small group, in an outpost group? Because other people in that group, they do know. I mean, we have people. This room is full of amazing people. You don't do this alone. You know, it takes a, a village to raise a child. Uh, I, I'm, I'm speaking at the church I grew up in in a, about a month out in Colorado, because they want to get into church planting. And so, so I'm going to go speak there. And I was talking to my dad the other day, and most of the people that were there when I grew up are gone. But I thought, you know, I was thinking about me being raised, and a lot of the people in that church were influential in what I became, and even what I'm doing now. And uh, my second grade teacher is still there. She's the first one to send me to the principal. Um, so that's going to be fun. I'm going to call her out in the service. She sent me to the principal. But the point is, is we have, we have help. We have one another. And we have some groups that are doing awesome and showing up for one another. So you don't have to do this on your own. Call your group leader. Call somebody else and say, hey, we're dealing with this. What does the Bible say? What are we going to teach our kids? Uh, and groups, this week, this is the topic you're talking about. So don't skip this week. Go and talk about this stuff. Uh, but the best thing we can do is follow, and then we teach. I, I put this in here. I've heard this before. I really don't want to push religion on my kids and I'm going to let them discover. Uh, uh, I think Alex called it free-range parenting. 
let, you know, the kids are just going to go out there and, and let them chew on this one and chew on this one and, and figure it out for themselves. That's not what God says. So God says, do it this way. You say, I'm going to just let them, guess what? You're disagreeing with God and I think he's right. Now, here's what I mean by that. It means you intentionally teach your kids. It doesn't mean, you know, you, you push and you force them to do too much, but it does mean you teach your kids. It, it, I've heard this often. If you're going to live in my house, you're coming to church. You know what? I think that's great. I think that's what God says. We're going to church. You're going with us. You know, you're 13 years old. How, you don't get to make that choice yet. You, don't, you know, you're not going to force them maybe to do certain things, but, but you're going to make them. I remember uh, my youngest sister. I remember my dad making her go to youth group for a while. I mean, we can debate whether that was the right thing to do or not, but putting them in relationships with other believers, putting mentors in their lives, it, this, this passive ap approach to parenting is not what God says. This free-range parenting is not God's plan because your kids are going to soak. What are they soaking up from the world every day? Don't just let them soak that up. Get in there with them. We have books at our house that talk about creation and evolution. And so kids come home and, and we look at their science stuff and we get to go, okay, let's read this book. Let's look at, you know, why creation is actually viable. You know, maybe we'll call Mark. Mark, come talk to our kids. He's a biology teacher, <laughs> you know. Um, but, but put those things in front of them. Let them think about that stuff before they go to school. We have dinosaur books. And so our kids read these books. So then they go to school and the teacher says something about evolution and they come home going, I don't think that's right because they've heard it. We've talked about it. We're like, you're right. It's not right. Um, but teach your kids. Joshua, just, you don't have to turn there, but the next book in the Bible is Joshua. Joshua was the leader that took over from Moses. Joshua was one of the first spies that went into the land and said, this is, a good, this is good, let's go. And, and 10 of the other spies, they said, no, they're giants there, we can't take them. Joshua said, no, 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 let's go. God told us to, let's go. He got to live through all that time when everybody else died. He got to live through that and now he gets to lead. And Joshua says this, in Joshua chapter 24, he says, Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I circled my house. Joshua didn't just say, I'm going to serve the Lord, but my, my family can do what they want. He said, my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I think that's a big deal. Parents, we need to teach our kids. Teach them formally. Now, let's keep going in that, that verse, though, verse 7 still. He says, you shall teach them diligently, formally, know what, they want, what you want them to know to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit down in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Talk about God's words all the time. That's what he's saying. Basically, if we translated this into English, it's from A to Z and everything in between. Talk about God. Talk about his words. There's no secular and sacred. You know, like we're going to now, here's school. We don't have to think about God or, or we're doing this. We don't have to think about God. There's no distinction. God never makes that distinction between secular and sacred. Church is sacred, but work is secular. No, everything is sacred to him. And so he, he says, talk about it. When you, when you wake up in the morning, talk to your kids about God. What's going on today? You know, what friends do you have that need to know Jesus? What friends do you have in trouble that you need to love on? It, you know, talk about it. Things come up. You talk about it. Uh, your kids see you in the morning spending time in the word. Uh, around the dinner table, you're, you're talking about 
God. It should be just part of what we talk about because we love him with all that we are. How could we not talk about him? So that's what he's saying. Talk about it all the time. So this is, this is in your notes. Talk about God and his word regularly in daily life. Regularly in daily life. This kind of goes with the teach them formally. What do you want your kids to know? Do you know the things that you want your kids to know? Here's the things that I wrote down as I thought, what do I want my kids to know before they leave? I want them to know grace. I don't want my kids to think they have to work for approval. I want them to understand grace because that's all, salvation is all about God's grace, not about earning it. They need to know that. How do we teach them? Well, we tell them, for one, it's all about grace, not religion, not, not what you do. But then we show them in daily life. I have one kid that's a little bit klutzy. I'm not going to say who she is. Um, you know, but, but through the years, you know, sit at t- the dinner table and put the cup down on the corner, and ah, it falls off and breaks. Well, guess what? She didn't mean to do that. So there's grace. Well, that's too bad. Let's get you another cup of milk. You know, spill it. Okay. <laughs> you know, you made a mistake again. It's different. I mean, a deliberate sin. They still get grace, but they get discipline too. But we're trying to teach them grace. We don't want them to feel like they have to earn our love. Because if you don't know this, your kids, they're going to look at God the way they look at you. And if they have to earn your love, they're going to feel like they have to earn God's love. And so I want my kids to learn grace. I want my kids to learn how to abide. So my kids are just like me. We struggle with sin. And so we've got sin in our life. All right, what's the solution? Go be good or first get tight with Jesus and then do our best to walk in him and and, and be good. But we don't want our kids to go, you're being bad, just be good. There's times it's like, you need to go connect with Jesus. Your heart is just not right right now. You need to go connect with Jesus because I want when they leave the house, I want them to be able to recognize sin and wrong attitude and go, oh, I have not spent good time with Jesus. I'm not abiding. I want them to get that rather than I need to go work hard to be good. They'll be miserable their entire lives. Uh, I want my kids to know how to pray. That's why on your, on your seat, you'll find one of these. Uh, Jesus's disciples said, teach us to pray. This is what he told them, the Lord's prayer teach this to your kid. If you don't know how to teach your kids to pray, teach them this. It's perfect. Uh, I I rewrote this years ago in children's rhyme (laughs) so that they could start to get it, you know? And so I changed it a little bit. Feel free to do that. Change it for your little kids so that they can pray this. Um, But now my kids are getting to the age where they need to know this. Uh, Kayla, she's really good. She's said it for weeks. Will you write that down? Because I'll pray it with her, and then she's, you want to pray it, and she can't remember it. Will you write it down? I keep forgetting. So I did it today so that for that purpose. But now you can take it. You can benefit from that too. Teach your kids to pray. Um, stewardship. I want my kids to know stewardship. Mm-hmm. I want my kids to know how to give, how to sacrifice. I want my kids to know how to serve. So how are we teaching them to serve? Well, Kayla, once a month, she, she cleans up the coffee bar back there. Uh, Lydia, she helps teach over here. She volunteers over there. At least when she gets a little older, she'll do something. But we think it's very important that they learn how to sacrifice because they're part of this body too. By the way, kids, kids, you are just as important to the church as any adult. I'm not kidding. We need you. (laughs) And we need you to be serving God and and getting in. And parents, it's our job to help them, to lead them in that way. And I already mentioned, I want our kids to understand this creation versus evolution. You know, it doesn't always work out perfect. Uh, we have our, our youngest, and, and 
I've wanted them to learn how to pray. Our older two daughters, for some reason, ever since they were young, they love to pray. You know, we'd go to bed. Hey, let's pray. Okay, do you want to pray? Yeah. And they just, you know. But for some reason, our youngest was always hardened to that. And it, and it has worried us some through the years. It's like, okay, do you want to pray? No. Well, then I'm going to pray. Pillow over the head. You know, at, at three years old. So it's like, what, what, is this, what is this thing in you that's just this barrier? So, you know, I say it's our job to lead. I could force pull the pillow off her head, but, but I haven't done that. You know, I, I think that's maybe too heavy handed, but instead I'm going to pray anyway and pray and pray. And through the years, it, she softens to it. Hi. <laughs> she, she, she softens to it. But that's just, you know what? I know I'm just going to be consistent with that. And it hasn't worked out perfectly. So don't get the picture that you do all this. It's going to be perfect. It's not. We, we, we wrestle through this. Um, but talk about God and his word in regular daily life. Taking them skiing, pray about the day. Point out the mountains. Point out what God has created. All those things. Here's, here's uh, the next Verse, where, where are we at? Verse seven, teach them diligently. Uh, verse eight, you shall bind them. Again, we're still talking about God's words, which for us is primarily found in scripture. So we're talking about scripture. Verse eight, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Basically center your house around God's word. That's what he's saying. And if, you, if you've ever known anybody Jewish, they might have these things on their doorposts as you walk in. And, and I think it's the Shema, this passage that's in there that reminds them when they walk through their front door, they see that. That's a great reminder. You know, they, the, the Jews, some of them would read this very, very literally. Uh, and you can find pictures as you look, they'll, they'll have a box with it on there and strap it on their head and it's right here. You know, I think they do that in certain religious things, but their point is putting this right in front and keeping it there front and center all the time. So I think for us, the picture would be Bible, Bible colored, colored glasses. Now you've probably heard of rose colored glasses. You know, view that the world through rose colored glasses, have a good attitude. Well, I would say view everything through Bible colored glasses. You, you view things biblically, scripturally. How does God view this? So, so you get really good in your house of saying, what does God say about that? What does God, so you look at, you know, a kid comes home, there's a bully on the bus. How are we going to view that situation? What does the Bible say? What does God want to do with that? Rather than bullies are bullies and let's, you know, deal with this. Where are they coming? And, and so then, and we're trying to teach our kids to wear Bible covered colored glasses too. Try and have them view, okay, somebody's being mean to you. How do you view that God's way? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Scripture right there. They're mean, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Our kids get to learn grace when they're, when something's coming at them. Our kids start struggling with self-image like any would ever do that in this day and age. Self-image, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> a passage of scripture that says, God knit you together in your mother's womb. He made you just like that. And our kids can put these on and go, this is how God views me. In fact, uh, there's, a, there's a new Joyce Gale that she made these. If you don't know, Joyce Gale makes these and I think they're awesome. Little pamphlets, and, and they're available in the back there. Uh, but the one for this week is you've been framed. It's about your identity. Kids learning how God views them, what God has done them for them. But you, you teach them, and we view everything. And by the way, this isn't just for kids. Grown-ups, great-grandparents, are there any great-grandparents? View life through Bible-colored glasses. What, the neighbor, what's going on there? This morning I was at McDonald's getting my stuff, and, and there was a guy in front of me, and 
The lady gave him five pennies. He's like, I want a nickel. <laughs> you know? And then he gave her some, some coffee. He's like, I don't want that. That's from the bottom of the, I mean, just this grouchy old man. And I thought, man, if you knew Jesus and you could view it this way, you know, hearts of grace and love, are we using scripture all the time? We view life through Bible-colored glasses. I couldn't find any rose-colored glasses, so I had to use those. Let Scripture be prevalent and used in the home. Let Scripture be prevalent and used in the home. Get really good at saying, what does the Bible say about that? Does this sound familiar? In Colossians 3, 16, which we've been studying over the last couple months, it says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, teaching and admonishing one another. The Bible is so consistent. God is so consistent. To the Jews, he said, put my words right in front of you. To, the, to us, after Jesus, he goes, bind this on your heart. Put my words right in front of you. Center your life around him. He knows how it goes. So do this in your house. What does the Bible have to say about that? And again, I want to say, those of you who, who your kids are grown and gone, it's not too late. It's not too late. You still have interaction with your family. This past summer, we went on a trip with, with my parents, and, and I have three sisters, and so there were 20-some of us on a houseboat, two houseboats. Um, but it was, it was him who, who tried to center things around Christ. Before we launched, let's pray together. Uh, we, it was, there was a Sunday, and he led this worship service. There were two pastors. You know, I'm a pastor, and his son-in-law is a pastor. We didn't do it. He did. He, he kind of took the lead. I Grandparents, you have a lot of influence over your kids and your grandkids. You can bring the word and put him at the center. It's not over. I thought I'd put this in because I thought it was helpful. As I, I read several studies that talked about kids that walk away, you know, they say two out of three, roughly, kids will, will leave the church. Um, out, of, out of those, I think half, maybe a little more than half, someday come back. But here were the factors that they said. Reason kids walk away. One, they don't see it radically lived out and incarnated in their own homes. Meaning, the parents were faking it. Do you know that the, uh, what is it, the, the divorce rate is actually a little bit lower among church-going Christians, but the divorce rate among Christians who claim to be but don't actually live it is actually higher than the rest of the world? Those that hypocritically claim it but don't live it, the divorce rate is actually about 20% higher among those. Uh, those whose, whose parents don't live it, they, they say it, you know, maybe come to church and, and pretend and put on a good picture, but go home and don't live it. Those kids, those are the ones that walk away because they're like, this isn't real. My parents didn't actually believe it because they didn't actually do it. You know, they didn't give. They never sacrificed. They never served. The ones that do, it changes everything. Here's the second one. They don't own their faith personally. This was interesting as I read this. They don't know how to read the Bible. They were never taught to pray. And they didn't talk about scriptures at home. I thought, oh, that's a big deal. Are we teaching our kids to pray? Are we teaching them how to read the Bible? Here's how you start that. You get them a Bible they want to read. We bought some. They're in the back. Timothy, will you hold that up real quick? These are really cool. And this is just one tool among a million. Yeah, that one. It's the Action Bible. It's the Bible in comic form. Um, a, a couple weeks ago, yeah, there you go. But we bought some so you can buy them or you can go on Amazon and look up Action Bible. Um, 
Grace for Timothy right now. He's making a mess. Uh, a couple weeks ago, so sometimes in the morning, I'll do my devotion in, out there. So my kids come out and they see. They see me doing my devotions. Uh, that's a big deal. They, they know the Bible center. So I had it on my, my phone, and I was listening to it. You can do that. It's really cool. I was listening to it. Elise came out and sat down there, you know, like this with her blanket, and it started talking about, you know, Balaam and his donkey, all, all that weird stuff in the Old Testament. And it was going through, and she's like, wait a minute. I read this last week. And she went and grabbed her action Bible and flipped to it. She said, I know this story. Well, how could she know this weird, obscure story in the Old Testament? Because she's reading a Bible she likes to read. You know, there's, bribe them. <laughs> you, you know, no, I'm not kidding. Use these tools. Uh, you know, I think, it, it was, I think, Elise again recently in the morning. She wanted to go play on the computer. I'm like, you know, it's not quite time, but if you'll read this scripture with me, or let me read this out loud, then you can go. Okay. Well, she got scripture. I mean, bribe them, whatever. Um, but let them, help them learn how to read the Bible. And then the third one, which I already addressed, is they never learned how to serve. They lived as consumers rather than investing in kingdom work. That's a big deal, teaching your kids to serve. Grandparents, if you live near, you can help this too. You can be involved here. Talk about it often. Center your life around Jesus. A lot of families don't work. A lot of families don't thrive. A lot of families are dysfunctional even within the church because either they don't know God's blueprint or they ignore it. Guess what? Today's a new day. The past is behind us. We can change things right now so that our future family looks different. Our future family looks different. Here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to close in worship like we normally do, but there's going to be a time of just music for about four or five minutes, just music, to give you a chance to, in, in your seat pocket in front of you, there is a piece of paper and there's an envelope. There's also a pen. Grab the Bible, something to write on. Describe your future family. 10 years from now, what do you want your family to look like 10 years from now? Describe it in detail. We, we're giving you time. You're not gonna miss out on worship and singing. We're gonna sing. But take this time while they're playing to just think, to just think. I'm gonna read you mine. I wrote mine this morning. Not so you can copy it, just to give you an idea of, of what we're looking for. Uh, but I wrote this. I said, I want my wife 10 years from now. So I'm going to have kids that are 29, 23, 21, and 19. Uh, I said, I want my wife to be used by God in discipling others, secure in the love of her husband. Uh, I want to be in sync personally. Part of, I want to be in sync with God abiding in Jesus well and not dragged down by sin or worldly distractions, laboring with my wife for God's kingdom, working together. That's how I see our future. Uh, each kid is active. They're old now, by the, I mean, 19 and then all 20s. Each kid is active serving God in a church, taking responsibility for God's mission, not passive, loving God, knowing the Bible, love, uh, loving the direction. Yeah, that comes from God's word. My handwriting's not very good. Um, if they move to another city, I want them to become an asset for whatever church they attend. I want them to go into a church just with, with a heart for the kingdom and go, how can I serve you guys with the kingdom? Um, secure in themselves and pursuing a kingdom passion. I want them to figure out what it, how has God made them and pursue it. I want them to call us for advice when they need it. I want, I want it so that when we all get together, we like being together. They know what's happening in each other's lives and they care deeply. Uh, all, all kids enjoy purity until marriage and freedom from, from sinful addictions. That's what I view, that's what I want my family to be like in 10 years. What do you want your family 
to look like in 10 years. If you would, take the next five minutes, write it, put it in the envelope, write your name on the envelope and address it. And when you come up to take communion, drop it in the, in the bin. If you can't tell, we're going to mail it back to you in a few months. <laughs> but it'll be a reminder for you later. I did this at camp years ago with the kids. It's a, it's a great way to go, what is God speaking to you right now? Write it down. Write it down. And then we can, we can look at it again in a few months. But take some time. Think through this. For me, it took probably five minutes to really think through that and write it out. That's okay. Uh, let me pray. And we're going to worship. Lord Jesus Christ, um, we praise you for the blueprint that you've given us. We praise you that there is a way that we can do it right to ensure greater success. We know that because we're sinners, uh, we were born sinners, we know that because our kids are going to struggle with sin, that there is no guarantee with, it, with any of it. Uh, they still have free choice. The things are going to, our grandkids have free choice. But God, we ask that the kids in this church and, and the grandkids of those in this body that aren't here now, God, that they would follow you wholeheartedly their entire lives, that they would truly love you with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we know it starts with us. So help us to go your way and teach our kids well. God, help us to live as a, a family church where we serve one another, bringing these kids up in, in your way. God, uh, Holy Spirit, talk to us now. Help us to see, are there things that we need to change and we already looked at the past month. We can change in you. We're not stuck the way we are. If there's things that are dysfunctional now, we don't have to stay there. You want us to change and you will help us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.